everyone out tonight. All the Iwana folks. Let's just everybody stand all over the whole building tonight. We'll sing Let's Talk About Jesus as we get started tonight. Good to see everyone. Let's talk about Jesus. So just be in prayer, be in prayer mostly for the family, amen. Shirley's going to be okay. Just uh, be in prayer for the family as they go through this time and continuously lift up the pastor in your prayers as uh, you can imagine, you know, being the only child, uh, watching his, you know, mama in her last day. So uh, just be in prayer for that. And as a family, as a church family, that's all I can tell you. Uh, just pray, pray, and pray, and pray, and pray, amen. Fervent prayer. And uh, just be in prayer for the family. Then a lot of people in our church are going through some stuff right now, and I'll share more with that during our prayer time. Just uh, please lift our pastor and his family up in prayer as they're going through this time. And they'll, uh, she's still at Winston right now. They will be um, taking her to another uh, hospice facility in Rockingham County tomorrow, Lord willing. And uh, they have asked that just no visitors right now. They'll let everybody know when that's okay. So if we would, just be mindful of their privacy. And you can send them some encouraging words through text messaging if you can do that. And uh, if you get a chance, just do that as well. So just please be mindful of their privacy and their family time. And uh, they know. I told them, I said, well, y'all are in our hearts and in our prayers. And they said, we appreciate it. And so uh, just, just be mindful of those things because I'm sure everybody else would feel the same way if they was going through the same, same thing. So let's get ready to do our pledges tonight. And uh, <clears throat> two young boys, two boys tonight. <laughs> I'm going to get some. all right girls no guys want to step up to the plate all right you two right here amen my boys are being shy tonight <laughs> all right while we're all standing let's pledge to the American flag let's pledge I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. Christian flag? Pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty 
for all who believe. Amen. Thank you, girls. Appreciate that very much. Let's get our Bibles out. Let's pledge to our Bibles. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path and hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen. All right, we're going to let the Cubbies out tonight. I think the Cubbies and the Sparks are going to be joined together tonight. So y'all go ahead and head out. Here's Brother Cameron. <laughs> TNTs. Hey, buddy. y'all be standing here tonight with us all right let's all stand together all over the building tonight and grab your hymn book there your blue song book let's turn to hymn number 351 page number 351 tonight tell it to jesus we'll sing the first second last verse hymn number 351 
Amen. That's all remain standing. Turn to hymn number 146, page 146 tonight. A shelter in the time of storm. We'll sing the first verse and chorus. Have a time of fellowship. Hymn number 146. The Lord's our rock in him we hide. A shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever will be tied. Shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock and a weary land. A weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock and a weary land. A shelter in the time of storm. Amen. Shake some hands.
four fellas to come down and take up this evening's offering. I really appreciate that. Get some men to come down this evening. I'm not for sure. <laughs> we got Judas backs. <laughs> Haven't brought the plates up yet. So we got just a few more minutes. Oh, there they come. All right, Tim to the rescue. Brother Tim, why don't you ask a blessing over all? before we get going good and uh, some of the family can probably uh, help out on some of the information as we get to you tonight but uh, brother Tim mentioned just continue to pray for Miss Saul then also remember Miss Patsy Gunner as she's still there in Duke Hospital and they're uh, still trying to figure out exactly what's uh, causing her blood pressure to skyrocket so bad so uh, and pray for uh, her also as she's still having the stroke issues I've seen brother Eddie this morning down at 102 while we was having breakfast and he was telling us about that, so just be in prayer for that, and pray for Brother Eddie and the family as they travel back and forth to Duke while they're watching over her. And he asked the doctors, he said, please, just fix my wife. <laughs> so uh, just be in prayer for him. I know it's a lot of a lot of worrying going on there, so just be in prayer for that. And then Brother John Wasoski, he's been having some issues with um, kidney stones, and he was able to crush the one, had a very large one, they was able to crush it today, but now he gets the pleasure of having to pass it. So... Uh, Pray for him as he's going through this. And also, Ms. Herman was just asking me, please remember Brother Jerry Whitlow in prayer as he's awaiting some tests. You know, he's been three or four weeks now being real sick. And uh, they know he has mono, but then the doctors called him back to the hospital because they thought it was something else. And so he was went back today for some test results, and they told him they didn't have him yet. It would be two or three more weeks. So that's just such a blessing. So pray for uh, Brother Jerry as he's awaiting some test results. and. And uh, just, you know, the longer you get to sit there and think about it, the more chance you have to worry about it. So just pray for him as he's going through that and the family as well. So a lot of things to pray for tonight. If uh, somebody else has something, I know we do. Go ahead, Mr. Herman.
Let's do be in prayer for our nation. Appreciate all the prayer requests for that. Someone else tonight? Ms. Kim? Someone else tonight on the right? Go ahead, Miss Nett. Okay, unspoken request there. Someone else tonight? That's right. Amen. Remember Brother Mikey's stepdad and his uh, battle with cancer that's going on there as well? Just pray for, uh, just pray that he can get his sugar level down so he can get some tests run. very badly needs to have a PET scan done and he's not able to get his sugar levels down to a, to a safe place where they can pump some more sugar into him so just uh, pray for him someone else go ahead Tiffy okay, remember Tiffy's grandma also someone else on the right tonight amen in the middle Gerald. okay special request there Miss Georgie Amen. Y'all still leaving at 8.30 in the morning, brother? Okay, pray for those that will be going on a trip tomorrow, Pennsylvania. Pray for safety there. Pray for a good time in the Lord. Go ahead, miss. battling the flu as well so just remember him okay brother Keith <laughs> amen brother amen I appreciate that tonight thank you for that testimony Miss Pam you give it to him <laughs> all right Man, remember Miss Pam. Well, Danny. Amen. Yeah, pray for Brother Danny's mom and dad there. Someone else in the middle, Brother Sam. We need to pray for everyone Yes, sir.
Yes, sir. Amen, brother. Yes, sir. Amen. Appreciate you letting me know about all those things. Someone else tonight. Amen. Over here on the left. Hmm. Stuff's getting fit here lately. And remember, Brother Woody. Woody ain't here. You know something's going on. Amen. So we just pray for Brother Woody and his diverticulitis. Go ahead. trip let's do uh continue to remember our adopt a shut-in list that's a great idea so uh just remember that let's continue to pray for all our shut-ins i see another hand miss lisa amen special there brother darrell amen brother rufus Okay, just remember this one. Sheila? Okay, remember her children. Go ahead, sister. things to pray for I wish I could remember them all I know the Lord's heard all of them he doesn't have a bad memory praise the Lord for that any other requests tonight amen I appreciate that sister Francis Newman. Mama?
appreciate that, Mom. Anybody else got a testimony tonight they'd like to share? Anywhere? Speak now? Okay. Amen. Thank you, sister. Anybody else tonight? Just got something they'd like to brag on the Lord about? Go ahead, Jesse. Amen. Appreciate that testimony tonight. It's when you know your church family is pretty close. When you got heavy hearts for one another. We're not just coming here as some social club. It's like family. When, uh, it's already been mentioned already for, to pray about it. But we still need to keep a hedge around this thing. And uh, pray for it as hard as we can. And don't let nothing tear it up. Be on guard at all times. Because, you know, Satan, he's pretty tricky. Amen. You know, if we're doing something good for God, Satan definitely don't like him. He's going to try his best to destroy it. If he can't destroy it from the outside, he'll, get, he'll come inside. Because Satan likes going to church too. Amen. So just uh, be on guard at all times. Be protective of your church family. You know how it is when you was raised in the home with brothers and sisters. You could talk about them all you want to. But let somebody else talk about them. It's game on. <laughs> game on. So uh, just be mindful of that. Let's be mindful of what we have here and what the Lord's doing at this place. And I'm going through some testing times right now. A lot of people going through trials and, and troubles. It means something good's about to happen, but the devil's trying to tear it down the best way he can. So uh, let's just be in prayer for our church family. And uh, when you think about them, you wake up in the middle of the night and they're on your heart. Just pray for them. That's all you can do. Just pray for them. And uh, my heart's been heavy this week too, Jesse. I told the preacher, I love him to death. I told a preacher when he was sharing with me yesterday, I said, man, I wish I could fix it for you. <laughs> just wish I could fix it. And just, you know, that way he could be happy and not have to go through this. I love our pastor. And I'll do anything I have to do to protect him. And just, when he mounts his pulpit, that's the most important time. And uh, I'll do anything I can to deflect trouble out of his way. If you want to call me a guard dog, that's fine, whatever. But... I'm here as his help and as his assistant, and I'll do whatever I can to protect our pastor. And I hope y'all will do the same thing. It goes for leadership, church members, whatever. Just uh, pray for him. It's the best thing you can do. And uh, just pray for him this week especially, days ahead. All of our leadership, I mean, just pray for him. i got a message prepared. We might not even get there. But uh, prayer is a very important thing for the child of God. I'm just going to go ahead and go into the message, and then uh, we'll have a time of prayer at the end. God's got something on, on my heart that I think we ought to do collectively as a church 
and uh, I'm not going to keep us long. I'll probably just breeze quickly through what I have tonight. I've been reading a great book that uh, I've probably shared with you before on uh, some study we've been doing in the teen class on the giants in our lives. And that's just been very challenging to me. I picked the book up while we was down at the Billy Graham uh, Museum there. I'm going to switch over to the wireless. I'm trying out all kind of mics tonight. Use the handheld, use the pulpit, and now I'm going to the lapel. But uh, it's a great book I picked got a shocker on it. Y'all don't know it. He lets me know when time's up. <laughs> now, most time, Brother Coffee says, just do what you need to do. There we go. We're good now, brother. I'll stay on the lapel. See, I told you I was trying out every mic we got. <clears throat> but the book I picked up down at uh, Billy Graham Museum has been very challenging to me. I enjoy reading it. And uh, some giants that we face in our life, I think even in here I've, I've shared with, uh, maybe it was anger that we looked at one night, and then uh, I think it might have even been discouragement that we looked at. Tonight I want to talk about a giant that we all face in life. Everybody faces it. None of us is exempt from it at all. And uh, it's the giant of failure. The giant of failure. Uh, what is failure? Failure is a lack of success. It may go along as a term uh, we better know as defeat or collapse or non-fulfillment. It's the action or state of not functioning. We hear the term, you know, medical terms, heart failure. It means your heart's not working anymore or kidney failure. Or maybe we hear the term breakdown or a malfunction. Failure is something that we all face. Maybe we face it daily. Maybe we face it every once in a while. Maybe we face it a lot in our life, but it is something that we will all face and we will continue to face until God takes us home. But uh, although we may fail, failure is not the end. You know, there is another chance, there is another day. As long as we have breath to breathe, God still got us here for a reason. Though we fail, we can still get back up and do something great again. If you think about people down through the times, this man twice he ran for Congress and twice he surprisingly lost. His, his credentials were very unimpressive. At the age of 37, he was finally elected to an office only to be subs uh, subsequently voted out. He failed in two runs at a Senate seat. He even failed at a vice presidential trial. No one was more conscious of his legacy of failures. He even said of himself, he said, I am now the most miserable, miserable man living. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. Some people would say of this man that he didn't know when to quit. At the age of 51, Abraham Lincoln became perhaps the greatest of all American presidents that this nation has ever known. As we read newspaper articles and stuff, success stories fascinate us. If there is anything else that would be more fascinating, 
Maybe it's even stories or portraits of failure at times. You think about, uh, this person will be very familiar to us all, Charles Schultz captured our hearts with a little boy named Charlie Brown. If you think about that character, Charlie Brown, he never quite could get his toe to kick that football before it ever fell over. They pulled it out of his way. He just wasn't quite fast enough. He never earned the love of that little red-headed girl. In baseball, he never made it off the pitcher's mound without getting the shoes, capped, and shirt blown off of him by a line drive. Even his own dog, Snoopy, sometimes had a hard time remembering his name, and, and to beat it all, his friends would even call him blockhead at times. I mean, just a portrait of failure, Charlie Brown, but he captured our hearts. We can sympathize with that poor fella at the Coca-Cola company who convinced one of the world's proudest corporations to switch over to that new Coke formula. What a humiliating misfire that he had. That didn't last very long. Coke quickly snapped it back off of the line. How about the architect of the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Still kind of everybody scratches their head as they look at that building. How about the committee at the Decca Records who rejected the Beatles? Didn't believe in them. Didn't think they would mount to anything. When we think about these failures, we kind of laugh at them, but we also, we forgive them. We're all failures, every one of us at times. Think about it as opening day of baseball season is, is becoming evident, is getting closer and closer. At the opening day of baseball season, everybody's record is clean, it's clear. Everybody has zeros until that first day's over. Then over half of the teams, now they have records. Now they have scars on their past. Now they have scars on their life. It only takes more than a day before half of these teams feel the sting of failure. All of us can't win. Why am I talking like this tonight? Because we need to face the reality of, rea of, of failure. We need to face that reality. Failure is guaranteed we need to expect it early, we need to expect it often, but it shouldn't surprise us at times when we fail. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians to chapter number 4. Writing to the Corinthian church, Paul approached the problem of failure as he is speaking to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. This doesn't sound like too positive of a message, but I can guarantee you before we get to the end, it'll be some positive output. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7. He says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. What is this treasure that Paul is speaking of here in, in verse number 7? He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. It is the gospel. God has given us the most precious gift imaginable, and he has entrusted it to the frailty and the failure of humanity for us to get it back out to others. Such a precious gift, the gospel of Jesus Christ, he has instilled upon us. We are those earthen vessels. We are to carry it to a lost and dying world and he's given it to the frailty of, of humanity and the failure of humanity to carry it out. God trusts us by pouring into us the spirit and the truths of his word. Though the earthen vessels may seem, may seem at times to have some cracks in them, we are capable of failure and we're also capable of great success all at the same time. 
God's light shines brightly through our darkness and his strength appears even more powerful beside our weaknesses. Look once again at verses 8 through 10. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Some of the most famous people have one thing in common. They have all stumbled and they have all had times of failure. Some of the most famous people that we know across this world had very discouraging times in their life, times of failure. Some of the greatest inventors that we have ever known, some of the greatest things that have ever been invented, they had failed and failed and failed and failed. And all these weren't failures. They just let them know, hey, that's not the right time. That's not the right formula. That's not the right thing. Keep working at it. It was said that Edison's teacher said he was too stupid to learn. Einstein's teacher said he was mentally slow, unsociable, and always adrift forever in his foolish dreams. How about that Hollywood scout that said Fred Astaire was balding and, I mean, he was balding and couldn't sing and he could dance just a little. How about that newspaper editor who fired Walt Disney for lack of ideas? And then how about in turn Disney, those Disney executives who rejected Star Wars claiming it would be a flop at the box office? And now they own Star Wars. It's funny how things come back around. Preacher Alexander White said of the saints, he said they fall down, they get up. They fall down and they get up all the way to heaven. It's just a constant process of life. We fail, you knock the dust off, you get back up and let's do it again. God is not surprised by our failures. We must understand that. God is never up in heaven and he doesn't say, well, I declare. How did that happen? That never runs across his mind. God knows everything. He knows our frame. He anticipates our failure. And nothing, absolutely nothing ever takes God by surprise. So just remember that when, when you might be the one on the other end of the line receiving some bad news, maybe from a doctor's report or, or a loved one has passed away, always remember that nothing ever takes God by surprise. He's already walked down that road and been down that path and been down that trail and given it the okay to come by your way. I've said it many times before, but nothing ever comes by our way that did not go through the loving arms of our Savior. Sometimes we sit back and wonder why we have to face this. Why do they have to go through that? Why are they laying in the hospital bed and we can't do nothing for them? I don't know why. All I know is God's in control. That's what will give you the peace that passes all understanding. God knows best. Turn to Psalm 103 with me. Psalm 103, looking at verses 13 and 14. It says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. Psalm 103, 13 and 14. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, and he remembereth that we are dust. Our Heavenly Father has compassion on us. He doesn't ridicule us. He doesn't call us names. He loves us with an everlasting love, even amidst all of our failures. Even Jesus knew as his disciples failed to support him in the garden that the Spirit is willing, 
but the flesh is weak. He knows and understands our weaknesses. Go to the book of Hebrews with me. Hebrews in chapter number 4. Jesus knows our weaknesses. He understands what we're going through. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 says, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our, our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When we experience failure, when we have hard times in our life, we must understand that God knows exactly what we're going through. He's been there. He's done that. He's faced it. How can we face this giant of failure? How can we handle it? We need to face the reason of our failures. Back in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 through 18, Paul offers a reason for our failures. If you would, please turn back there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Verses 17 and 18. He says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We need to face the reason of our failures, and Paul has given us some reason for our failures. And this is an interesting passage because it brings together several key contrasts. We have light affliction versus weight of glory. We have things seen versus things that are unseen. We have the temporal versus the eternal. As Paul stretches our minds with the opposites, he sets us up for some very crucial paradoxes here. Number one, we fail now to succeed later. Understand that. We fail now in order to succeed later. Present affliction means future glory. Jesus made mention of this as well in some of his very familiar statements or phrases about the first and the last, the poor and the rich, the master and the servant. Christ even made mention that if we will suffer with him in this world, we will reign with him in the next one to come. Every, every tear is an investment to reap diamonds in return. In other words, we fail now in order to succeed later. Light affliction, weight of glory. We fail in the incidental to succeed in the important. Paul refers to that light affliction and that weight of glory. Yes, we suffer, but yes, we face humiliation and hurts. But when we take a step back and look at it with, the heaven, with those heavenly binoculars, we get a second view on life. Well, all of a sudden we're seeing things from God's point of view. All of a sudden we're understanding why we went through tribulation, why we had to go through some hum humiliation or some hurts, or why we have to suffer. Paul had his share of troubles as well, but he didn't view them from prison bar windows. He viewed them from the stars of an infinite heaven. Paul had a great outlook on life once he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. When his life was completely turned around, a complete 180, he went from killing Christians to trying to save them and, and get them to be Christians. One of the greatest preachers, one of the greatest missionaries this world has ever known is Paul. The awful Saul of Tarsus. A complete 180. He was one who was throwing people into prisons. He was one who was persecuting Christians. He was one who had, who had the papers from the Roman government to do whatever he wanted to to silence them. 
And sometimes in the back of my mind, in the way that I think, sometimes when I think Paul was, was beaten half to death or stoned half to death or, or spent many weeks or months or years in prison bars, sometimes I wonder in the back of my mind if he did not think, I probably deserve that for everything that I have ever done. But as he was there, he didn't have those self-pity parties. He'd get his pencil and his paper out. He'd start encouraging those churches that he spent time and invested in, writing letters, and many of the books in the Bible we have now were written behind prison bars. We fail in the temporary to succeed in the eternal. These things, Paul tells us, last only for a moment. In other words, as the Bible says, this too shall pass. The temporary will be ancient history next year, but the eternal truths never fade. Number four, we fail outwardly to succeed inwardly. We focus on the outside while God focuses on the inside. That's, that is just something that is human nature. We focus on the outside. How's everybody looking on the outside? They dress right, they're wearing the right things, they're looking right, talking right, acting right. God's not worried about none of that stuff. He's worried about what's going on in here. Because everything's in here is right, everything out here be just fine. And in our Baptist circles, we're bad for doing that. We want to get them dressing right, talking right, acting right, singing right. Don't even, don't even ask questions about what's going on in the heart. You've got to put on that outward facade. We worry about public per perception, but God gives us, God just gazes steadily at our hearts. He wants to know what's going on in the hearts. Don't think for a minute that I ain't for dressing right, acting right, talking right, and all that other stuff. I am. That's not, that should not be our main focus, though. If you get that heart right, you ain't got to worry about that other stuff because it's going to come right on along. We need to face also the result of our failure. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul is saying, though we fail, he says, don't lose heart. Failures, failures will make philosophers of us all. The view from the top at times can blind us while the view from the bottom often brings wisdom. When we fail, and we fail miserably, we learn a lesson. Don't do that again. Let's try it another way. I mean, it goes on, I mean, in construction work, you may fail at doing something and something falls down Well, you know how to build it better next time. I mean, even... I don't know much about mechanicing, but even in mechanicing, I mean, you'll try, you're trying to scratch your head, trying to figure out how in the world to fix this car, and you try a few parts, and that don't work. Guess what? You're going to try a few more until you get it right. Doctors at the same time do the same thing. They can prescribe things and do things and run tests and these things, trying to figure out what's going on. This process of failure leads finally to success. Man, I fixed it. Had a lot of failure along the way, but I finally found out what was going on. The view from the bottom brings wisdom. We learn to stop evaluating people and things from the outside in. The real stuff is found when we observe what comes from the inside out. Like I said, we need to be like God and gaze at people's hearts. The natural man, Paul says, is like a, like a sort of a, a suit of clothing. It may look shiny and new at one point, but eventually that new suit of clothes is going to lose its shininess. It'll get to a point where it becomes discarded and thrown away. Clothes don't make the man, the inward man is shiny, 
and begins and becomes new every single day. How can we fight back at failure? I'll try to end up quickly here. How can we fight back at failure? How can we handle it? How can we fight it? Number one, we need to acknowledge our failure. When we have failure in our life, let's don't blame shift. When you're pointing at somebody, there's three more pointing right back at you. They made me do it. Nah, you made the choice. You made that decision. The best thing you can do when failure comes, just stand up and admit it. Man, I failed. I failed miserably. Step up and take responsibility for it. Living a lie doesn't work for anybody, so wise believers deal with their past honestly before walking away from it. We need to acknowledge our failure. We also need to accept God's forgiveness. Psalm 103 and verse number 10 says, He hath not dwelt with us after our sins, praise God for that, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. And we all should be running laps around here for this because we all have iniquities, we all have sins, but God has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us for our iniquities. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. That should just plumb blow our minds. God doesn't deal with us on the basis of our failures, but in, he deals with, us, deals with us in the light of his grace. We serve such a heavenly God, such a loving Father. If we acknowledge our failure and accept his forgiveness, what a radical change God has made available for our own lives. Number three, we apply the lessons of failure towards success. Let failure be a learning curve. I mean, just let it be a learning lesson there. Failure without new wisdom becomes empty. It's empty. Why'd you go through it? You didn't learn nothing. We have a chance to learn something that we could never have ever learned otherwise. A.W. Tozer, a very wise man, said, It is highly doubtful that God can use a man until he has hurt deeply. Very wise writer read many of his books, studied many of the things he has written. It is highly doubtful that God can use a man until he has hurt deeply. And while I read that, and while I wrote it down, it scared me to death. But you think about some of the great men that God has used and that God is using right now. They have suffered great hurt. I don't know what it does to you. I don't know what kind of frame of mind it puts you in. It says it's highly doubtful that God can use a man until he has hurt deeply. Number four, we need to accept failure as a fact of life, not a way of life. We need to keep this concept at the front of our mind. Failure, uh, fa failure. failure is not an event. In a, it's, you know, failure is an event, not a person. It's something you do, it's not what you become. Failure is an event, not a person. It's something you do, not what you become. Peter failed. Listen, go with me now. Peter failed Jesus, but he didn't let that stop him. He wept bitterly, but that moment did not define him. In the book of Acts, we find him preaching at the day of Pentecost, and there he delivers one of the greatest sermons in the history of Christianity, and thousands came to Christ under his mighty preaching. What had happened? What had taken place? Something happened between that failure moment and that fiery sermon. Something in between there had taken place. It's recorded in John in chapter number 21 when they had that breakfast at the beach. 
Peter had to come face to face with his master. And what he discovered when he faced Jesus there on the beach that morning, he discovered failure can be transcended by forgiveness. And it was that transition moment, from that day forward, Peter is a new man. He becomes the powerful apostle Jesus always knew he'd become. In other words, failure isn't final. We all know the story about Peter. We all know his backstory. We all know that he failed. We all know that he cursed that day. We all know that the cock crew, him and Jesus' eyes met face to face. He left the scene bitterly, weeping, thought of, you know, life might have been over, but that didn't stop him. He continued on. Failure is not final. Jesus gave him another chance. Number five, we need to rise from failure and start again. We all know the story of Jonah. And when you read through the book of Jonah, many times we read it quickly. Many times we share it as a little cute story for the kids about Jonah and the big whale and how to obey God and that type of thing. But if you would go to Jonah in chapter number three, I want to show you something right quickly and we'll finish up here. I know I probably said that four or five times tonight. I just want to be like every other preacher. That's how I'm going to start my messages from now on, so we'll be done shortly. <laughs> Sorry, David, for having five points tonight. I don't want to shake you up. There might be one more before we get done. <laughs> he gave me a hard time of the week when I had six points. He said, we're in a Baptist church. You know it's three, three points poem, and then we go home. We need to arise from failure and start again. In Jonah in chapter number 3, as we, as we come across this portion of Scripture, you know, I've read across it many times, and sometimes things don't hit you until you're really studying them out. Verse number 1 says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. We've already gotten past the first time. And we know what happens to Jonah when he receives that word first. He throws a little bit of a fit. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He doesn't want to have nothing to do with the Ninevites. He doesn't want to go and preach to those terrible people. I mean, he doesn't even want to go to that place. So he tucks tail and he goes just in the opposite direction. Finds himself on a boat, gets on the boat. People realizes that he's the one that's causing the sea to get boisterous. So what do they do? Throw him overboard. Then a big fish comes by and swallows him up. A whale, whatever you want to call him. Now he's in the belly of a whale. <clears throat> So we find that the word of the Lord came to him the second time. Jonah had failed in obedience and compassion. He even failed in common sense, thinking he could hide from God, who has the all-seeing eye. You can't hide nowhere that God has never been. And this is what is encouraging. Although Jonah had failed, and he failed miserably, he failed in obedience and compassion, he failed by not listening to the voice of God, and even failed in common sense. Then you get to the transitional part of this, of this book, in verse number 1, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh. He didn't say, Jonah, you sorry dog. I hope you die in the belly's well. That's what you deserve. No, he said, Arise and go. Arise and go. We need to arise from failure and start again. Don't let failure be final. Let it be a, a transitional point in your life. Learn the lesson and move on. Lastly tonight, we need to quit judging failures in others. We need to quit judging failures in others. Hey, look at me. This is very, 
This is probably the smartest thing I've ever said. Hope it don't blow you all away. We're all human beings. All of us have failure in us. We're going to fail daily. We're all failures. But except for the grace of God. Amen. I want to share some stories with us throughout the Bible so that we can see that I'm just not up here saying some crazy stuff. Luke chapter number 7. Y'all turn there quickly. I'll read quickly. I have no problem doing that. Luke chapter 7, verse 44. Jesus is now in the Pharisee's house. And they're trying to trick him up and they're trying to raise questions. Verse 44, he says, And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, See thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he saith unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. We see the woman that was there. Of course, she was a prostitute. But she had, the whole time Jesus was in the house, nobody gave him water. Nobody wasn't washing his feet. But the lone person that was sitting there since the time he sat down was loving on him, caring for him, anointing him, was that prostitute. Failure is not final. Go to John in chapter number 8. We need to be careful on how we're judging other folks. John in chapter 8. I always enjoy reading this passage of Scripture right here. We know the passage very well. It's when the woman was taken in adultery. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning they came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. I wish the Bible would have told us what he wrote in the ground. We'll just have to ask that when we get to heaven. But when we get to heaven, we won't even care. All we care about is worshiping Jesus. <laughs> but he, he stooped down and wrote on the ground like he didn't even hear what they were saying. So verse number 7 says, So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, Boy, this is something. He that is without sin among you, let him cast a first stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. 
You know, as human beings, we are real good at pointing out other people's problems. Very good at that. We all become philosophers. We all think that we know better than everybody else. We can point out people's problems. And we can point out people's failures. I love playing baseball, but the one thing I didn't like playing, about, playing baseball, especially if you ever had a chance to play where they had a scoreboard or something, I mean, think about it. Major League Baseball, they got these big scoreboards. You make one error, they're going to post that thing up on there, and ESPN's going to talk about it all day tomorrow. I'm glad God doesn't do that with our failures and our errors. Boy, that would change, that would change things around. Matthew chapter number 7. Last scripture, I promise. Matthew chapter 7. Verse number 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. Notice that. Everybody always wants to point out verse number 1 to you. They forget about verse number 2, but with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine own eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. Let us understand tonight in closing that we're all bound to stumble. Some of us are going to stumble. Some of us will stumble and fall. The course in which we are called to run can be very treacherous at times. But we can find an overcoming power, a transcending victory when we extend out a helping hand of support, a word of encouragement. And when we do that, helping someone, giving out some encouraging words instead of trashing them and, and saying bad things about them and saying, oh, I knew they would mess up. I knew they would fail. I knew they would never get over that. Instead of saying, hey, man, let me help you out a little bit. Let me encourage you here. Give them, send them a text message. Lift them up the best way that we can. And when we lift up somebody and when we send out that helping hand, we can finish this race shoulder to shoulder. I love reading those stories or seeing some of these marathon runners who, who have been running the whole race and get maybe to that last mile or maybe that last 500 or 100 yards before they get to the finish line and they stumble and they fall and they ain't even got enough strength to get back up and all of a sudden some people start coming out of nowhere and they pick them up and they help them on across the finish line. That's the way we need to be. We need to pick each other up and carry one another across the finish line. Well, to get that frame of mind, I'm not going to let you fail. I'm going to help you out. When we get down in the pit, guess what? Jesus gets down in there with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is a friend to stick closer than a brother. The problem is, when we see our brothers and sisters in Christ fail, and they get down in the pit, we'll back away. And we'll leave them. When we could have reached out a helping hand, and we might have found another friend, to stick close as a brother. Anybody in here ever rescued a dog? One that you might have found just maybe he walked up on your back porch or something one day and just all scrawny and feeble looking. And, and at first, you know, he was real mad because he was probably starving to death. But as you finally coerced him to let you pet on him just a little bit and you give him some food, he might still be a little standoffish for the first day or two, maybe even a week or a month. 
You continue to feed him and take care of him and give him water and treat him in a way that he's never been treated before. Before long, you'll find out that you've got one of the best dogs you'll ever have in your life. Every time you turn around, you see that dog, he'll be right by your side. Why is that? Because you rescued him. You helped him out. Now he's become a lifelong companion. We need to help one another out. I'd like for us all tonight, just for the next few moments, just to gather around as a church. We haven't done it in a long time. There's a lot of things going on within our church family. A lot of people facing things. I'd just like for us to get together and, and make a circle the best way we can. Just kind of form around our pews. Pray a hedge around this place. Pray a hedge around our church family. Most importantly, let's pray for our pastor and his family tonight. If we can, just starting down here, we'll make the best circle that we can. Or a square. It's hard to make a circle in a square building. <laughs> so if you would, just start a hedge across the middle of the pews there somewhere. We'll make us a big old chain of prayer. Yeah, cut across. About right there somewhere would be good. If we could. Yeah, somebody cut across the middle there. Over there, brother. There we go. Somebody hold Daryl's hand. <laughs> Tim, hold Daryl's hand. <laughs> well, we got a gap. That's okay. We'll be all right. We'll spray anyway. You can go over there, brother Daryl. We just like to see you walk around. <laughs> Amen. I appreciate y'all doing this tonight. I just feel the need. That there's some pressing things going on here that we definitely need to be in prayer for. I appreciate all y'all. Brother Tim, you mind leading us? And uh, Brother Gerald, after Tim gets done, would you pray? And then uh, I'll close us out.
if they're saved by your grace, Lord, they know, and we all know where they're going. We just pray for the families, Lord, that you'll just be with them, give them strength, hold them up, Lord, and just, just hide them behind you, Lord, that you could give them the grace that they need. Lord, we just pray again for all our, all our missionaries, each yes, one God. that is on the fields, Lord, and help us as individuals to be a missionary for you, too. Lord, we just thank you for all that you do. We just pray that you'll just have your will and way in our lives. And everything we do, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, as we bow before you, Lord, in a collective prayer here tonight, Father, I pray a hedge around this place here tonight, Lord, and I pray everybody, God, that is with us here tonight will do the same. And God, protect what we have here. And Father, pray over our leadership, God, and especially for our pastor and his family tonight. Father, as he's there with his mother and Father, such hard news has come across their way this past couple of days, Lord, but we know that it did not take you by surprise. And Father, we pray, Lord, for grace and mercy to be uh, just evident and, and just prevalent in their life now, Lord. And Father, just help us, God, as a church family, Lord, to show love and appreciation to our pastor and his family, Lord, and just to let him know that he doesn't have to go through this alone. Father, we know that Miss Shirley is your child and she'll... She is on her way to heaven, Lord, and she has made that choice, God, to just enjoy the last few days of her life. And, God, we pray for the family as they're with her and by her side. Father, for a husband that's been by her side for so many years, Lord. Brother Jimmy, God, we just pray a special grace upon him even right now. Father, for our pastor, Lord, I pray, God, for strength. And, Lord, I pray, God, you would encourage him. And, Father, just give him the grace that he needs right now, Father, to be able to go through this situation, Lord. You told us that your grace is sufficient for us, Lord. And, Father, help him, Lord, as he's preached about it all of his life, Lord, and has encouraged others. And, Father, help us, Lord, as the time has come, Lord, for us to encourage him. God, we love him and his family. And, Lord, we thank you, God, for putting him in this place. And, God, may we just continually, Lord, just to lift him up. Father, we pray for the Hodges family. Lord, I thank of Miss Saul. God, I pray, Lord, a special touch of grace upon her life as well. And, God, for the doctors who are looking over her, Lord, I pray she get her strength back, Lord. And, Father, I pray, God, that you would just raise her back up, Lord, be with the family. God, as they're there with her. And, Father, we pray for Miss Patsy Gunner tonight, Lord, and Brother Eddie as, God, he is by his wife's side. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just help the doctors, Lord, to pinpoint this thing, Lord, that it seems that they cannot find. God, you know what's going on inside that body. Father, give one of those doctors the wisdom. Lord, or maybe a light bulb will go off in their head and say, this is what it is. God, I pray even right now, Lord, that one of them would make a discovery, if not tonight, tomorrow, Lord, that, that they could fix this situation. God, be with the family, Lord, as they watch over her. And Father, Lord, we just thank you tonight for Jesus. Father, we thank you for grace and mercy. Father, we thank you, Lord, the failure is not the end. It's just a learning curve for us. And God, help us, Lord, to continue on, to grow in grace and knowledge. And Father, help us to pray ahead around this place. Lord, we're thankful for what we have here. God, help us continue to watch over it and pray for it. God, we love you tonight because you first loved us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all have a good night.